So, what do you want to be known for? This is one of those questions that can bother us in a really good way. lives here. Turning good intention into reality is found here. Knowing what we are for helps us leave things better than when we found them. Some people think the world is getting worse. Some people think the world is getting better. The reality is that both are true. It just depends on how you see things. As for us, in a hypercritical, cynical world, often known for what it's against, let's be a group of people for what we're for. This is what it feels like when you find something to live for. Yeah, just give it up. That's right, for what you're doing. Man, I, I wasn't expecting that. I, I watched that, and man, I just got emotional watching that. <clears throat> man, that was crazy. Um, and I, and I, I'll go ahead and tell you, um, I get emotional about it because um, it's, it's why I gave my life to ministry, is to help people in our communities to understand um, but God is for them by seeing that we're for them. And so, um, hey, thank you, all, all of our churches. I, I want to thank you for just being an amazing group of people who absolutely um, are all about it. So, um, hey, if it's your first time here, um, yeah, I, I don't normally get whacked out like that off in a bumper because I watch these things during the week and all that kind of stuff. And um if it's your first time here, just glad you're here, absolutely, because we are for you. And uh, if you hadn't figured that out by now, um, I hope you do in this conversation we're going to have. And um, so we're going to have a two-week conversation entitled Four, and it's a conversation we're having to get us ready to be rich toward our communities um, in November. And um, some of you understand what that is, and over the next couple of weeks, we'll unpack what that is. But for the next two weeks, basically what we're going to do is we're going to be having a conversation called Four. And here's why. Because for too long, the church has been known for what is against. We want to be known for who we are for. So to get us started in this two-week conversation, uh, let's just kind of begin with a question. And it's a really a probing question. It's a question that some of you may have thought about, but maybe not have thought about at the depth we want, to, want you to take it to. And that is this. Why do you do good? Like, why do you, as an individual, do good? Now, here's the thing. If you're like most people, you do good because you want to be a good person. I, I really think that is what most of us hope is true about all of us. But if you really stopped and asked the question, like, what does exactly that mean? Why do I do good? Like, what does it mean for you to be good? Like, why do you do 
good. Now, now sometimes we do good because um, like we just want to look good or we want to impress somebody. Like most every man on the planet at some point did that. Like yesterday, my wife and I, we celebrate our 34th wedding anniversary. Can you believe that? She's an amazing woman. Yeah, all the campuses give up for my wife. Absolutely. So there was this moment in time about 30-something years ago, 35, 36 years ago, that I was trying to impress this woman. I impressed her. She was the most deceived individual on planet Earth at that point in time. But anyhow, 34 years later, um, I'll just say, we're happily married. And the dynamite gets better every time. I'm just telling you, it's just pretty amazing in our marriage. It's just incredible how every year just gets so much better. So um, for those of you that are just newly married, about to get married, listen, it's worth working hard to have a great marriage. It really is. So I challenge you, push through the hard stuff because it is so worth it. Absolutely. So uh, sometimes we do good to impress people. Sometimes that works out really good for us. Yeah, 34 years later. Sometimes we do good out of guilt, right? Like, like sometimes you do good because you're trying to make up for the not so good that you did at some point in time in your life. I mean, let's be honest. It's why some of you are at church today or maybe some of you are watching this later online because you're hoping this good that you're doing right now balances out the not so good you did last night or last weekend or sometime before that. Or sometimes we do good just to make ourselves feel good, don't we? Because we're hoping that something good will kind of come back our way or you decided that it was worth doing good because if you did good for this somebody, then maybe somebody else might turn around and that somebody might turn around and do something good for you. Or, or maybe it's kind of the other way around. Sometimes we do good because we want to repay a favor that somebody has done for us. So here's the big question that we're at starting off this series with, and that is this, why do you do good? And this, port, this question is so important in our culture because as we've said, we live in this rapidly changing world. And as we said before, like America has become like this post-Christian culture, which simply means that Christians' beliefs and values, that worldview no longer holds like the central, most influential position in our culture. And when you talk to most Christians, they think, okay, that's pretty negative. And they kind of complain about having to live in a post-Christian culture, a culture like ours. But here's the thing. As a church, we don't necessarily think that's negative at all. In fact, a few weeks ago, we kind of introduced this idea to you. And that is this. This is the world we have been called to serve. And we have an extraordinary opportunity to show them God is for them. And a primary way of practicing the habit of being for others is to do good, but not just to do good. It's to do good specifically the way that Jesus taught us to do good and the way that his, earlier or his early followers chose to do good. So today what we're going to do is we're going to take a few minutes to kind of help us think about what does it mean to do good the way that Jesus taught us to do good? Because the reality is there are two different types of doing good. There is doing good the way that we normally do good, but then there's doing good the only way or only as Jesus instructed us to do good. There's just two different types. And quite honestly... 
It's the kind of good that Jesus instructed us that is absolutely humanly impossible on our own strength. The kind of good that Jesus instructed us to do, it requires supernatural strength, but it's the kind of doing good that can change a culture forever. In fact, in the first century world that Jesus stepped into, that was pretty much the culture that he stepped into, a culture that was really worse than ours. For instance, I've said this before, in the first century, you know, might made right. Whoever had the power and whoever had the money, they made the rules. It was a culture where the weak and the marginalized, they, they were, and the powerless, they had no value in the culture in which Jesus came into. For example, there's this first century Roman philosopher and politician named Seneca who described this as a common practice in the culture in which Jesus stepped into minister. He says, we drown children at birth when they are weak and abnormal. Now, now think about that. That behavior wasn't considered scandalous. It wasn't considered wrong. It wasn't considered immoral. It was just normal, acceptable behavior. Now, not only was that a common practice, but it was also kind of a common practice for like parents to leave their children to die if it was the wrong gender. Anybody want to guess what gender they thought was the wrong gender? Yeah, females or girls. So oftentimes parents would take and they would dump their babies into like sewage ditches or drains and leave them exposed to die. In fact, Rodney Stark, he writes about this in his book. He says the exposure of unwanted infants was, the, was widespread in the Roman Empire and girls were far more likely than boys to be exposed. Keep in mind that legally and by custom, the decision to expose an infant rested entirely with the father. So it's just like common practice for like children to, or parents to throw certain children away if they were abnormal or if they're the wrong gender. It was also in that culture that Jesus came into, it was common practice for men to force their wives to have abortions in order to keep the family from getting too large and having to support a large family. Men would routinely have sex with prostitutes in order to keep from having the responsibility of having a family. Like sexual activity was completely unrestrained in that culture. In fact, in many of the religions of that time, like sexual activity was part of the religious worship and it was considered acceptable that married men would practice sex or have sex with whomever, whenever, whenever, or whatever, with whoever. See, it was just in this type of culture that Jesus came. And you got to think about it. It was in this type of culture with these kinds of practices and with these kind of values that Jesus stands up on a hillside one day and he talks to this group of people who were trying to figure out, is there a better way to live life? And he, he explains to them as he's talking to them why their choice to live differently and to do good, why it really mattered. And he talked about how it can make a, a culture better from the inside out. In fact, here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, when Jesus made this statement right here, the idea behind the idea of salt was clear. Because salt wasn't, wasn't primarily used as a seasoning for food, but it was used as a preserver of food. 
Like, think about it. Go back to that time. They had no refrigerators in their kitchens, that kind of thing. So salt was valuable because they could take and they could pack their meat with it and keep it from spoiling as fast. So when Jesus comes along and he says, listen, you are the salt of the earth He's basically saying, listen, I know there's a lot of darkness in your culture, but do you realize God has you here for a reason? You are the preserver of this planet. Your presence in this culture, at this place, at this time is like salt in meat. All the spoiling and all the rotting and all the corruption that's going on in your culture. He's saying, you can slow that down by how you live. Jesus is saying, listen, your presence and the good that you do, it really, really matters. It's making a difference whether you realize it or not. In fact, he goes on, he says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So Jesus is saying, listen, the only thing that keeps this corruption that's in your culture from leading to more self-destruction is the influence of those of you. This is what Jesus is saying to him. He says, it's the influence of those of you who follow me. Those of you that follow me and live as light in darkness and you show the world and you model a better way to live. So what Jesus is saying, listen, if the salt loses saltiness, when he says that, he's going, listen, don't stop living the way that you've been living. He's saying, don't stop living as a preserver of your culture because he says, I have placed you in this place where you are living right here, right now to make a difference. He's going, that's your opportunity and that's your responsibility. And then he gives a second word picture that is absolutely powerful. Notice what he says. He says, you are the light of the world. So he says, you're not just the salt, but you're also the light. You're not just the preserver of your culture. You're also here to illuminate. Like you're here to be light in the darkness and to help people see that there is a much better way for them to live than the way that they're living. There's a much better way for them to relate to each other. There's a much better way for them to handle conflict. There's a much better way for them to treat their sexuality. There's a much better way for them to manage their money. There is a much better way to respond to problems and criticism and difficulty than the way that they are doing it. But Jesus is saying, listen, they will never know that. That will never be illuminated to them if you don't live that way in front of them. So he goes, you are the light of the world. But he continues, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, I want you to understand the word that is translated set right here in our English language, it's a very, a very interesting word. It doesn't just mean a city built on a hill. It's actually a word that is often used in the New Testament to talk about God's sovereignty or God's divine sovereignty over something. So Jesus is saying, listen, you're not just a city that is randomly placed where you're at. He's saying, no, 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 no. You are a city 
that was strategically placed by the divine architecture architect in the most effective place possible to allow maximum visibility. In other words, every one of you are where you are. You are living where you live right now by divine design. You are at the school that you are at. You are in the classes that you are in. You are living where you're living. You are working in the jobs that you're working by divine design. You have been set there, he says, because God wants you to illuminate something. In fact, he goes on, verse 15, he says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house or the community or the neighborhood or the workplace. And you read this and you go, oh, that just makes sense. Light's made to shine. Light's not made to be hidden. In fact, he goes on and he says, in the same way, let your light, because he says you are the light. So he says, let your light shine before others that they may see. Now, I want us to pause right here for just a moment. Because he's not talking about something internal here. He's talking about something external that they may see externally. This is not about what you believe. This is about how you behave. This is about what you do. This is about acting in a way that allows your light to shine. Now, some of you are sitting there going, okay, I hear that but I'm just me. Like, like I'm no one special. I, I get up, I go to school, I go to work, I come home, I drop into the bed, I wake up the next day and I do the same thing again and again and again. I'm just a normal person like everybody else. So how do I live and how do I act in a way that I am salt and I am light in my community? Like how do I behave in such a way that I preserve, that I illuminate, that I influence and that I impact all of those people that are around me. How do I do that? I, I just can't do that. And Jesus goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, you can. And here's how. Look at verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. Why do you do good? That they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Now, don't miss what Jesus is saying here. Jesus says, the way that we let our light shine is we do good. Please hear what I'm fixing to say. But when he says they may see your good deeds or when they see you do good, he's not just talking about doing good like normal people do good. He's not talking about the kind of good deeds that cause people to come up in your workplace and just pat you on the back and go, hey, good job. Hey, thank you so much for that. Or, man, you're such a great guy. Or, man, you're such a wonderful friend. Or, man, you're just such a sweet lady. You know, that kind of thing. He says, those kind of goods, doing good deeds, those are the kind of good deeds that normal people do. 
And it may even earn us a reputation of being a good person. But he's saying those kind of good deeds, they don't preserve and they don't illuminate. They don't create significant change because they're just normal. See, the kind of good deeds that Jesus is referring to is doing good in such a way that people take notice and they think, why would anybody do that? How is that even possible apart from God? Like, I don't give, get how they forgive like they forgive or how they love like they love or how they're generous like they're generous. It makes no sense whatsoever. In fact, what Jesus is saying is this. You might want to write it down. Do good in such a way that it causes people to look beyond us to the God who is at work in and through us. See, this is how you live as light in a dark world. You do good the way only followers of Jesus Christ have the ability to do good. And at the end, the end result is this, is that people give credit to our Father in heaven, not to us. Because the purpose of light, make sure you understand this. In fact, you may want to write this down. The purpose of light is not to attract attention to itself. It is to illuminate something more valuable than itself. That's the purpose of light. Now, the question is, what kind of good does this? Well, it's the kind of good that only people who follow Jesus can do. And all you have to do is read the teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. The teaching that he gave his followers that day to see what that good looks like. In fact, your homework for today, part of your homework for today is that you'll go home and you'll take about 10 or 15 minutes to read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount in your Bible. Because see, what Jesus introduced as doing good in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is such, I mean, like, we do good normal. This is normal people do good. And then Jesus says, no, this is doing good. This is what illuminating good looks like. This is what preserving good looks like. You don't want to miss reading. Let me just give you some examples of some of the things that he says in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He says, listen, doing good means that you take the initiative to reconcile with those that hurt you. You, you don't wait around. You, you don't ignore the situation. You proactively, you just move right in and you forgive deeply no matter how deeply you got hurt. You don't walk around and tell everybody else, this person's such a bad person because they hurt me because they're such an evil person. They hurt me. They, were so, they wronged me so bad. No, no, no. He says, no, what you do is you lean in and you go and you reconcile with that person. You forgive them. He says, that's the doing good that illuminates our Father in heaven, shines a light on our Father in heaven. He says, he goes on to say, he says, listen, you live a life of sexual purity, not just in your actions, but also in your thoughts. Like he says, you don't even view the opposite sex as a sexual object, but you view them as a brother or a sister in Christ. And he says, like you honor your marriage commitment and you remain faithful to your spouse. 
He says, oh, another thing you do when you do good is you keep your word. Like you always do what you say you'll do. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And when you can't do that, you own up to it and you own it and you ask for forgiveness and saying, I'm sorry, I didn't keep my word. Or here's even a bigger level of doing good. He goes, oh, and by the way, this is really preserving and this is really illuminating. Love your enemies. And Jesus goes on and says, anybody can do good to their friends. That's how normal people do good. He says, but I want you to do good to your enemies. Like do good to the people who refuse to do good to you and wouldn't even do good for you if they had the opportunity. And when you think about all those things that Jesus says, oh, here's the new level of doing good. Don't you think that would get people's attention if they're watching your life? See, that's not normal. It's not normal for people to just forgive and never hold a grudge. It's not normal for people not to gossip and backbite and to talk good about people all the time. It's not normal. He goes on, he says, listen, I want you to give generously to those in need. He's like, doing good means you don't treat your money and your resources like they're all for your own consumption, but you use them for the benefit of other people. He's like, you just be irrationally generous with your money. You be irrationally generous, not only with your money, but also with your time to the people who will not be generous to you and can never do anything for you. And maybe especially to the people who don't even appreciate the generosity of your time or your resources. See, listen, the kind of doing good that Jesus calls us to is the kind that requires God's supernatural power to practice it in our life. See, we are to do good in such a way that it causes people to look beyond us to the God who is at work in and through us. And whenever we do that, we are being salt and we're being light. We're preserving and we're illuminating a much better way to live in a culture that has lost its way. Now, the first century followers of Jesus, they took him serious and it changed their world for good. And here's the reality. We live in a different time and we live in a different place. But Jesus said, hey, you have been set here. So this is what that means. It means this is the world that we have been called to serve. And we have an extraordinary opportunity to show them God is for them. So what I do to make this real practical is I ask you a few questions. And then we give you two, well, three steps as kind of challenges for you to do this week. So here's the first question, very basic question. And that is this, are you doing good? Like, are you even just doing normal good? Or is your entire life so consumed with you that you only do what you think is best for you and you ignore everybody else around you? You're not even doing normal good. So are you doing good? That's the first question. Now let's take this question to the Jesus level, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 kind of level. And that is this. Are you doing good in such a way that it causes people to look beyond you to God? 
In other words, is the good that you're doing fully explainable when somebody sees it? Or does it cause them to stop and wonder, why would somebody be that kind? Why would somebody be that generous? Why would somebody be that forgiving? Like, how can they do that? How can they give like that? How can they forgive like that? Does it cause people to pause and to ponder like, why? Why would they even do that? Nobody does that. And then the third question, what can you do to move people's attention away from the kind of person you are to the kind of God he is? Because see, Jesus said, when people see our good deeds, it should cause them to glorify our Father in heaven. Now, as you think about these questions, what I want to do is I want to give you three steps, two steps, basically, and kind of a bonus step. And so that everybody on all of our campuses, all our churches can participate in, there's a big step, and then there's a baby step. So everybody can participate in this. So we're going to start with the big step. Here's the the big step is this. The big step for you this week in doing good is do the good you've avoided doing. Now, this step is different for all of us. And some of you are going, I don't know what the step would be, but here's what I can guarantee you. If you will go home and you will read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, as you're reading that and Jesus is challenging us to new new levels of doing good, the Holy Spirit of God is going to point out to you what that area of good is. He's going to point that out. And you're going to know exactly what you need to do in that point in time. In fact, some of you, as we're talking about this and we look at this, do the good that you're avoided, you know exactly what that is. Some of you have a broken relationship with one and, or with someone and you have refused to reach out and try to restore it. Even though they want to restore it, you have refused to. So maybe this week you need to go visit them. Maybe you need to make a phone call. Maybe you need to send an email. You you need to do something to start working on restoring and fighting for peace in that relationship. So some of you, you have a rift with your parent and you need to repair it. Some of you, you need to do whatever it takes to make things right in your marriage. For some of you guys, you need to look at her on the way home and go, "Um, I'm going to counseling this week. You've been trying to get me to go for a long time. I'm going. Or maybe a couple weeks ago, a month ago or so, you told your spouse, hey, I I want a divorce. And maybe God, the Spirit of God is telling you this morning, you need to swallow your pride. You need to go back to them and commit to work through your problems and not keep trying to escape them. So what's the good that you're trying to avoid doing? Because see, it's not easy when you do good like Jesus calls us to do good. When you do good to be, a, to be a preserver and illuminator in our culture. See, that's what doing good will look like for you. It will look like Matthew 5, 6, and 7 kind of doing good. Some of you need to do good like Jesus called us to in Matthew um, 5, 6, and 7 where he says, listen, you, you need to come honest about some things going on, some secrets that you've been keeping in your heart. And in your mind, it's like, it makes no sense for me to come clean because if I tell somebody, it may cost me a lot, but you know what you've done is wrong and you want to do good like a good follower of Jesus. So you're going to 
be honest with somebody, some trusted friend, some trusted spiritual adult in your life, even if it may hurt your life. Like you're doing good by being honest when you're not even forced to be honest. You come clean. For some of you, it may mean, as Jesus said in that same passage, you need to go serve somebody that hates you, that dislikes you. It may mean giving some money to someone that you didn't want to give, some money you didn't want to give to somebody you don't want to give it to. Here's what I can tell you. I don't know what this do good is for you, but I promise you it will not be easy. That's why you need the Spirit of God guiding and directing your life. And I'm telling you folks, this is a big step, but it's the kind of good that followers of Jesus Christ do. See, you do the good that will cause people to look beyond you to the God that is at work in and through you. That can feel overwhelming. So that's why we want to give you a baby step. Not because you don't need to take the big step. Like taking the baby step doesn't make up for not taking the big step. You still got to do that. But sometimes a smaller, easier step helps us then take the bigger step, right? So to get us started with this this week, we're all going to do good like normal people do good. But we're going to give God the credit for it. In fact, when you came into your auditorium today on each of our campuses, um, or, or when you leave, I should say, when you leave our auditorium today at each of our campuses, you're going to get a four card, okay? Let me turn it up right so it looks this way, right? Not this way. That's the new way to do four, right? So you're going to get a four card, and then you're going to get a new cling for your community that looks like this, okay? And so here's your baby step, we want you to do something, we want you to do good for someone so they know that God is for them. So here's what you do. You do good. You put, first of all, you put this cling on the back of your vehicle so that you'll drive like a Jesus follower. Because <laughs> you don't cut somebody off and tell them, you know, oh yeah, you're really for me, right? Okay. <clears throat> and by the way, enough people are starting to see this in all of our communities that people are going, okay, we know this four thing is connected to RCC. So it's like... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you just give yourself away. And I'm starting to have people call me and say, hey, do you know somebody in your church cut me off? They had a four sticker on their car, right? So drive like you're four people, right? So here's our thing. We want you to do something for someone so they know God is for them. And then you leave this card as your explanation. For example, this week, buy the person behind you in the drive-thru, like their meal or their coffee, and then you just give this card to the, um, per, the cashier. We had one of our staff do this at one of our campuses this week, and they, call, they, they created like an eight-car pileup. Right, this is no joke. They did this. They were testing it out. They did this. And people like eight cars back, they just kept paying for the next person's meal. Messed the cashier up in such an incredible way. But it's, it's good. So like, people are like, why is this happening? Right? So you leave this card. to just go, it's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. Or maybe, maybe you know somebody at work that needs something. Or you know somebody at work that would enjoy something. You do that for them or give that to them and you just leave this card. We have plenty of these cards on all of our campuses. To give. Just figure out a way to like pay it backwards, do something good for somebody and leave this card just to let them know that it's not you. It's something bigger than you to let them know that God is for them. Now we want to give you one more kind of like bonus step, okay? And the bonus step is this. The bonus step is something to remind you, to help you remember that you are out to do good for people. 
and why you do what you do. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to rivertown.cc forward slash four and download the graphic, the four graphic that we've created for social media for your community. And our challenge is, is that during this four series, you will change your profile to whatever community. So your profile picture will be for whatever community you live in that you least do this for this week, but we challenge you to do it for at least um, the, this whole series. Not because that's doing good, but it's going to remind you every time that you open up your social media that you have been called to do good. That's what it's going to remind you. It's going to remind us to do good and to help and share why we're doing good with our friends, with our family, because it's going to create some conversations. So our challenge is that you, ch you change your profile picture and you do something good. You pay it forward, pay it backwards. But also, here's the big one. You do the good that you've been avoiding. The kind of good that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 that only followers of Jesus Christ do. I'm telling you folks, Jesus says it matters because God has placed you where you are. He has set you where you are as salt and light. And I'm telling you folks, every choice you make, it either puts your light on a stand for people to see God in and working through you or every choice you make, it puts it under a bowl if you respond selfishly and make it all about you. Listen, if we want to change our culture, we do it by doing good and showing people that God is for them by showing them that you are for them. So this week, we want you to go out and take, do the bonus step, put the, change your profile picture, and then do the baby step, and then do the big step. And then some of you have already been asking on your campus, because you've been seeing our staff walk around with these new four shirts, and you've been saying, how do we get one? Go out and be four people. We're going to have cameras following you this week. I'm teasing. <clears throat> Uh, here's how you get one of those t-shirts. Whoever shows up next Sunday on any of our campuses gets a four t-shirt. So go before this week, practice, and then you receive, right? Sow and then reap. So next week, yeah. Hey, go ahead, clap. You applaud because you paid for them, right? Yeah. That's right. <clears throat> you already paid for them, so they're yours. So come back next week and get your t-shirt, right? Hey, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for... Just uh, an incredible group of people who are excited about doing good in such a way that it preserves and that it illuminates, that it shines the light on our Heavenly Father. So God, I just pray that you continue to take us as a church to just two new levels of understanding what it means to do good. And then by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray, especially as we move into this fall season with all these different holidays coming up, that we'll just use this as an incredible opportunity to do good deeds that glorify our Father in heaven. God, I thank you. I thank you for the excitement of every man and every woman and every student who's saying, God, this is going to be hard, but it's going to be good. Because when God shows up and changes a life, it's always so good. And we thank you for the opportunity 
to be for people in order to show them that you are for them. So empower us with your, your spirit as we leave here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks everyone. You have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.